I couldn't see it. Now, am I saying I've gotten to the point that I can see everything? No, there's still moments where I'm like, God, are you serious? How, how, how are you asking me to do this? I don't think I see what you see just yet. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to In Position. Okay. Hey guys, once again, welcome to In Position. I took a little bit of a break, so this is season two. As you probably know, wherever you're listening to this, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, if you were watching the previous episode, you must have noticed that I took a little bit of a break. Um, So this is the first episode I'm recording since then. And I feel like I have something very specific that I want to talk about. Might be long, might not be long. I don't know. Just going to let the Holy Spirit do his thing. But I'm here once again on assignments. Before we get to the topic, though, I feel like I want to address a clip that I put out that went, um, well, I can't really call it viral, but it got a number of views compared to the following that the in position page has and it was this clip that said minding your business is biblical so people took this and you know there were only a few people that actually commented on the page at least as at now that i'm responding and there were some people that had really legitimate concerns you know talking about the fact that people pull out verses out of context from the scriptures but i want to be clear I want to be clear on this because I feel like I have a responsibility to not only take accountability, but to address it. Well, depending on what that is, it's not all the time that um, I would feel the lead in or Holy Spirit would ask me to address something. I do feel like in this case, I feel the need to address it. Now, that being said, I know that this clip might not be seen by all the people that saw the first one, but there's only so much I can control. So I just want to say this. I wrote like a long caption there and I explicitly said like this is a this is an excerpt from episode eight. The context of that clip was talking about comparison and I was talking about God giving assignments. God has given you this to do and her that to do him this to do whatever. He gave different people different assignments. He has work for us. And I was talking about us minding our business in the sense of focusing on our work doing that diligently as opposed to looking to the left and to the right what other people were doing and that also is the context of that scripture the context of that scripture is talking about focusing on your work being diligent in your work now my mistake here was i know social media and i know that people can just take a snippet of what they like and use it to defend whatever ideas that they have so i feel like probably there were number of people i mean i don't know but i imagine there were a number of people that listened to this and were like yeah you don't need to be looking at what somebody else is doing you don't need to help them you don't need to support them you don't need to advise them i think some people took it as like this encouragement or support to be self-centered and that was not to the context of the video now i feel like again there's responsibility of my on my part and i felt the need to take accountability for that because 
it was me that put out just a short clip saying minding my business is biblical i didn't add the extra part even though this is a real i probably should have added like a few more seconds that made it clear that the context of this was comparison because i guess a lot of people don't really read captions these days and i imagine some people didn't even make it till the end where there's a thumbnail that says this is the truth about comparison um there's only so much i can control but i do think that one of the things i could have done better was make that clip longer so the point of that is i just want to address for you know the people that are meant to see this if they do see this when i said minding your business is biblical and even when you read the scripture it is not a call to be self-centered please for christ's sake that is clearly not biblical being self-centered is not biblical the bible talks over and over and over again about loving our neighbors and helping those around us about being what is the word the opposite of self-centered quite literally being selfless so it was more so about minding the work that he has given you. There is another scripture in Corinthians that basically talks along the exact same lines. Like focus on your work so that you won't need to be comparing yourself with somebody else. And I mentioned that scripture in the full YouTube video, but the truth of the matter is I know that not everybody's going to listen to the full episode. Everybody's not going to watch the full video. Everybody's not going to play the full podcast. Everybody apparently is not really going to read the captions. So I'm like, that's on me. And I learned a valuable lesson, which honestly, you know, part of me was like, man, I wish I didn't put that clip out, but I learned a lesson. And now I know that the next time what is in my control is to give a bit more context in the actual clip, because again, a lot of people don't really read the captions. A lot of people don't make it to the end. So that was the context of that. Mining your business is biblical. But again, mining your business in this context is referring to focusing on your work. Even if you go and read the verse, 1 Thessalonians 4.11, it is talking about focusing on your business, your work. It is not be self-centered. Don't help the other person or don't look at your, it's not talking about looking at your friend going down a pit and just leaving them because you're minding your business. No, no, this is not in line with what's, the popular saying sometimes can mean because i guess in society when people say mind your business mind your business you're just talking about like don't be concerned with the affairs of other people that's not what this is this is focus on your assignment be diligent in your work then you would not need to compare yourself with somebody else okay i also strongly um recommend you go and watch the full episode honestly i feel like there was so much in that episode that one came from deep down in my belly honestly and also is because that was something i was also walking through again that week so it was fresh it was yeah that was like fresh off the gas but i just wanted to quickly address that before we move to today's topic great okay so usually I don't always have a topic for these podcasts, but this one, I felt like it was really clear. And the topic, as you probably will see, as you definitely will see, wherever you're listening to this or wherever you're watching this, is screen the labels. Now, what do I mean by that? Let me give me a little bit of context. A few years ago, majority of my life up until a few years ago, I referred to myself as a shy person. You know, I talk about being shy and introverted and it was, you know, justification for the way I showed up in different rooms. I just felt very timid, like speaking in front of people. Literally, the idea that somebody may call on me to answer a question would make me shake, tremble, like 
my hands would get cold and sweaty at the same time. I'd be shivering all the things. My body had a literal physical reaction to having to do things publicly. Now, I have realized over time that a lot of that had to do with me thinking about people's response to the things that I do. A lot of it had to do with insecurity. So I went around saying, you know, I'm shy, so, you know, I can't do A or I can't do B. I took on that label of shy and it became a defense for a lot of the things that I didn't want to do. Until more recently where I felt the Holy Spirit convict me to screen the label. It's like, where did you get that from? Where did you get this shy thing from? Now, I'm not talking about having a more reserved personality, being introverted, but there are some of us that have taken the label of shy and wrong with it. Many times this, that label, what, and it may not be shyness for you, whatever it is that you've picked up and you've used that to qualify yourself. And now instead of that being something that describes how you were acting, that label is now describing how you behave. Like you have adopted a title that now affects the way you live your life. Because in one season, you felt like it qualified you. Now, the point of that is this. When God was now telling me to do certain things, you know, be in front of people, I didn't want to do that. I'm like, God, are you serious? Like, I'm shy, <laughs> you know. Certain things I didn't want to do because I was like, I'm a shy person. And um, one of the things that he reminded me a while ago was when God gives you an assignment, he was not unaware of your personality. He took that into consideration when he called you. He considered your personality when he called you. Now, this shy thing, honestly, was a result of trauma for me. That was me retreating into my shell because of how I had felt people had treated me in the past. That was me retreating into my shell because it made me not have to step up to do certain things. I didn't have to deal with confrontation. I didn't have to deal with criticism. I am generally a more reserved person. That that really is how I am. But using shyness as an excuse not to do things that God has called me to do, not to speak up when he has called me to speak up. Mm -mm. And he reminded me of the scripture that says that God has not given us a spear, uh, not a spear. He reminded me of the scripture that says, God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Timidity, shyness. And it's like, oh, so you didn't give that to me. Where did I get that from? Where did I get that from? Many of us have used these things to justify where we are at, to justify not stepping out of the boat, to justify not doing certain things. I used it to justify the way I was for a long time until I felt heavily convicted. Like, wait, God did not call me shy. Stop saying that. Not only does God not call me shy, but he explicitly says that he did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity. And when I say he said it, I mean by way of the Holy Spirit, because it's not Jesus speaking here. But clearly we are told in 2 Timothy 1.7, I believe, that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. So if God did not give you a spirit of fear and timidity, but he gave you that of power, love, and a sound mind, who gave you that spirit of timidity? And why are you taking that on? Why have you 
seeing this shyness, this timidity, whatever that is, and latched onto it when God has clearly said that did not come from me. And so I had to start screening a lot of the labels in my life. It's like, where did I get that from? And why did I hold on to it? Why did I hold on to it? Talking about not being a people person. Some people say they're not people peoples. I don't know. People persons. <laughs> not people persons because of the way they were hurt in the past. Because of terrible experiences that they've had. And now they've latched onto that title. And even though that season has passed, they are still living as the person that had to endure that season. They're still holding on to the old them that is not sustainable for the now. That is not allowing them to do the assignments that God has given to them today, now. Very, very practical in my life. And I was thinking about some scriptures, and this is taking a little bit of a turn, but it's kind of connected to the same thing. Screening the labels and this idea of inadequacy. It's like, even being an introvert or all of that, who told you that this is what's work? done by introverts should look like? Who told you that this is how introverts should act? Who told you that because you are ABC, you can't do DEF? Who said that? Now, like I said, I was reading like some scriptures. I was thinking of some examples. Jeremiah is one that really stood out to me because I was thinking, man. And this was kind of a slightly different conviction. I've had moments in my life where I've been like, Oh, it's okay that you've not done that yet. You're still young. Comparing myself to somebody else. Now, there's a flip side to this. You know, we look at other people and it helps encourage us. Like, hey, that's okay that you haven't gotten to this place yet. Like, talk about Samuel L. Jackson. People talk about how his career, his acting career started very late. And it's a hopeful story for us because when we've not gotten there yet, to that place of, um, I don't want to call it excellence, no, not excellence because you could be excellent at what you do, but you've not been noticed or elevated. Mm-hmm, that's the word. Not been elevated just yet. You look at stories like that and you're like, it's okay. You have time. God's timing is the best. On the flip side, like me, there have been moments where God has told me to do something. I feel or I feel like I should be doing something. And I don't really want to do it. And then I look at somebody that's way older than me and they've not done it yet. Or way older than me and they just started doing it. And I'm like, it's okay. I have time. And it's like, why are you using somebody else's timeline to justify your stagnancy or to justify the fact that you're not moving? In the case of Jeremiah, I feel like I've started and stopped a number of times talking about Jeremiah. When God commissioned him, his excuse was like, I'm too young. And God said, do not say you are too young. There is another scripture also in the New Testament. And I don't want to say a verse wrong. So let me make sure I know exactly where that is. That basically talks about us not allowing people to look down on us because we were too young. First Timothy, first Timothy 4.12. And I will pull that up. I believe it says, don't let anybody look down on you. But I'm going to open that. Yeah, 
So it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Again, one of these, one of the key things to know, and I say this, I don't know, at this point, it feels like I say it every episode, is when you know better, you ought to do better. If you have gotten an instruction to act on something, that's where your timeline started. It's from when you get the commission that you can start to measure how long you had. It's not basing yourself as a 20-year-old alongside a 50-year-old when you've been given the resources to act on that thing at 20 and they got it at 45. It doesn't make sense. Your timeline is unique. When God calls you, that's where it starts. When he calls you and he gives you an instruction, his pacing for your life, his instruction for you to move, that is your unique timeline. You can't be measuring up with somebody else. So back to Jeremiah, popular scripture that we hear all the time. Very encouraging for us. I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as prophets to the nations. This is Jeremiah 1 verses 5. Moving on. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, this is Jeremiah speaking. I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Pause there. Pause there. Where did he get the idea that he's too young? It is probably based on what he has seen. Probably the examples that he's seen on around him are people that are much older. And so he has used the norm to justify what is possible. But to, to base, he based basically possibilities on what he's used to, what he has seen. But this is the same God that is always doing new things. Or at least we're always seeing the new things, like new things are being manifested. You know, scripture that says, behold, I do a new thing. Shall ye not see it? This is the God that is always doing a new thing. And so the first time that we saw Jesus multiply fish and bread, that was the first. And the first time that water was turned into wine, that was the first. And maybe the first time might be for you that he's calling you the 16-year-old girl, to start this huge business, you could be the first. Don't measure possibilities based off of everything you've seen. We serve a God of impossibility. He makes the impossible possible. He sets the standard. And you could be the first. Back to the scripture. The Lord said, Don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you, and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then, verses 9, Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, This is Jeremiah, Look, I have put words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. So with that commission... When the scripture says, I am sending you, you must go wherever I send you. That's verse seven. After that comes a supply. God gave him words. Look, I have put my words in your mouth. So here's the deal. Wherever God is sending you, there's a supply for that. Make sure that you're not using somebody else's timeline to justify your disobedience. And I feel like I wrote that in a much better, more eloquent way. Somebody else's timeline is not a justification to drag your feet.
somebody else's timeline is not a justification to drag your feet. And again, I'm thinking about myself. There are things that I'm like, I feel like I'm being led to do this. But then I look at somebody else. I'm like, okay, I don't have to do it now. If God said do it now, and for you that instruction again is at 10 years old, and for somebody else it was at 50, your now is your now. God knows why he's chosen to start you up at that stage. So it's very important that we're leaning into unique timelines that are God-given, not us using the excuse of somebody else somebody else's pace, how somebody else still made it at 50 to not do what he has called us to do. And yes, there's a flip side of it where you can be encouraged. You're doing everything that you should be doing and you haven't seen the elevation or increase come just yet. And you can look at other people that somehow made it at 50, at 60, at 70. That's when things started to turn around. That's okay. That's very different because you're being diligent with the instruction. What you can do is to be obedient. The result is not really in your control. What you do is in your control. The result is not in your control. And for all you know, God could be telling you to put the seed in the ground now and it could sprout up at 60. That same person that you're looking at and you're like, they made it, they only started at 45 years old. Who told you that it didn't take that long to get there? Maybe it's just time for you to put your seed in the ground. My point is be obedient with the when, not just the what, but with the when without looking to the left and to the right to justify dragging your feet or not acting immediately on the instructions that God has given you. Yeah, that was a personal conviction for me too. Like I said, I think that's pretty much almost everything that I say on this podcast. But yeah, I'm going to write a blog post on this as well because this is what has been on my heart and is this topic I am sending you. That literally is the topic I am sending you. And I am, I, not me. I mean, God is sending you. And because I just recently noticed just how many times that is in the scripture. Talking about Moses, talking about Jeremiah, talking about Gideon. Even Jesus, when he was talking to the disciples after, after he um, was resurrected, was basically saying that he's sending them as his father has sent him move on God's go move on God's go go because he's sending you not for any other reason if he's sending you move move because at the end of the day when God is sending you that means there is somebody expecting a delivery now whether that delivery is you or what God is sending you with, the contents, the package, whether that's wisdom inside, whether that's a business, whether that's a business plan, whether that's an idea, whether that's a partnership. When something is sent, that means there's a receiver. And you're delaying. If you're not moving, you're delaying the delivery. Think about us and how annoying it can be when we order something and they give us an estimate of three to five days and then it takes a month two months three months most of us will be on the phone calling customer service yelling just imagine how annoying that can be and you have no idea what you're 
stagnancy or disobedience is delay. You don't know the delivery that is being missed out on. You don't know what or how imperative that delivery is needed um, for the recipients, how imperative that is for the recipients on the other end. So I am sending you. God has told you to move. Remember, remember, he is sending you. And screen the labels, those labels that have kept you immobile. Those excuses that we are using to not do the things that God has called us to do. He knew your personality when he called you. He knew. He knew. He knew when he picked people that were not good in speech. People that were not seen as smart. People that looked tiny. Again, as we know, his ways are not our ways. And he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And oh, all he wants you to do is bring your foolish them. Bring your foolish thing. And foolish, I'm just using it to describe what I mean. That little thing, that not enough, that insufficiency, that inadequacy that you feel, whatever it is that you have, bring yourself, bring that vessel, bring your five loaves of bread and two fishes. That's your job. Your job is just bring the five loaves of bread and two fishes to him and watch him do what he does. We've seen it in the scriptures. It didn't make no sense. How are you going to feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes? It don't make no sense. God makes things make sense. His instruction, what do you have? Bring that, let's feed the people. Your job is obedience. That's, that's what's on you. The outcome, leave that to God. Your job is obedience. Bring that foolish thing, that thing that makes no sense, and watch him confound the wise. Watch him show you just how much higher his ways are than your ways. How much wiser he is. Yeah. There's a scripture that I like. There's a scripture that, two scriptures actually, that I I like to refer to whenever we find ourselves questioning our ability to do something because we're looking at the status quo because we're looking at the norm like for instance think about instances where you may have been in a class or been wanting to take a class with a specific professor this this my personal story (laughs) and they tell you this professor is horrible he's always giving d's if you take it you'll not pass that class you've checked all the websites and he has terrible ratings and you're like that's your only option and all you're hearing is all the people that didn't make it why are you so fixated on all the statistics if God said go? He can make it different for you. He can make it different for you. Consider the fact that you could be the outlier. Especially, again, if it's on God's instruction. I am not saying that you should ignore what is going on around you or previous history. But you need to make sure that God's instruction is preceding all of that. It takes priority over all the people's ideas over all the things that scares everybody else okay i'm talking a lot and i said i wanted to go to the scripture so isaiah 8 isaiah 8 11 to 13 and god was speaking god was speaking to isaiah here isaiah don't know if it's isaiah or isaiah anyways verses 11 to 13 
says, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. Let me pause here. So everybody that says you can't do that at that age, you can't do that with the way you look. You're not big enough for that. You're not educated enough for that. You're not qualified enough for that. Okay. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. And don't live in dread of what frightens them. Don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. So you should be more concerned about disobeying God's instruction than obeying and getting these repercussions that everybody else is talking about. Who takes precedence in your life? Fear God. And this fear again is a holy fear. Reverence. Reverence God. Prioritize God as well. So that's Isaiah and Jeremiah as well. Very similar. And those two really stuck out to me because it's a reminder that, hey, the principles that you have as a Christian, as a believer, as someone that trusts in God, they're different. They're different. What guides your life is different. Jeremiah 10 verses 2 to 3. It says, actually, I want to dial back. Yeah. This is what the Lord says. Do not act like the other nations who try to read their future in the stars. So, you know, let me just pause here for a second. There are some of us that are using all these things that are popular in culture to define who we are going to be, um, what our future is going to look like based on, in fact, in fact, some of them are even based on when you were born, what the star says about this and yeah <laughs> do not act like the other nations i'm trying to like braid on my tongue do not act like the other nations who try to read their future in the stars do not be afraid of their predictions do not be afraid of their predictions do not be afraid of their predictions i felt the need to like say that like three times i don't know maybe that needs to like pierce into somebody's soul even though the other nations are terrified by them we're called to think differently. We have different principles. And many times we have different instructions. We should fear God first before anything else. Our trust should be in God. Our instruction should be from God. He qualifies us what we're able to do or what we're not able to do. Just because you feel like you're tiny, like Gideon didn't feel like he was mighty. Look at the tribe he was from, all of those things. And God is calling you mighty. Do you believe you know yourself more than God knows you? Who created you? Who knows you better? Do you believe you know more than God? And the angel of the Lord is calling Gideon a mighty man. It's like I see something in you that you don't see just yet. And so I think that's a very important prayer. Is God reveal me to me. There's this song called Help Me to See Me. No, no, sorry. It's called I Am What You See. And it's by Bishop Paul Morton. And that song can like bring me to tears because I feel like for a long time, not even I feel like for a long time, I couldn't see it. Now, am I saying I've gotten to the point that I can see everything? No, there's still moments where I'm like, God, are you serious? How, how, how are you asking me to do this? 
I don't think I see what you see just yet. <laughs> but really, for the longest time, I was way worse. And so that song just struck a chord. It goes, help me to see me the way you see me. Sometimes I see pain, Lord, when you see victory. I see where I am, Lord. I see where you shall. No, you see where I shall be. Lord, open my eyes. Help me believe I am what you see. You see me victorious. You see me faithful. You see me believing that you were able. You see me rejoicing that I survived. Open my eyes. Help me believe I am what you see. That needs to be a frequent prayer of ours. Help me to see me the way you see me. God sees so much in us. This is why he's telling us that he knew us before he formed us in our mother's womb. He knew, he knew, he knew what he put on the inside of you. Even that thing that has not been, it hasn't harvested just yet, not harvested. That hasn't budded or sprouted just yet. There's a seed on the inside of you. And the prayer is that God help us to open our eyes so that we'll stop disqualifying ourselves from the thing that you've already qualified us for. Help us to stop cheating ourselves out of our destiny. Oh, let us stop capping or trying to cap what God can do in our lives. I mean, the idea that God can work through you actually says more about what we feel about God than it says what, about what we feel about ourselves, if you get what I mean. Like, we should understand that God can work through any and anybody. Are we really saying that he's limited in his ability to work through you? Like, your insufficiency, is it that great that it hinders God's ability? That's not only a me problem. And it's not just a problem of how I see me. That's also a problem of how I see God's ability to work through me, through anybody. We're basically saying that he has limited options. <laughs> like, oh God, you can only work in somebody that has all of that. In fact, if you have all the things <laughs> that you feel qualify you to do what he called you to do, you ain't going to need him. Or you're not going to feel like you need him. Why would you call on him? Why would you depend on him if you feel sufficient all by yourself? God's power works best in your weakness. It reminds me of this verse that talks about treasures being in clay jars. And I was watching this podcast a while ago and they spoke about this art form called, I'm going to butcher the name. So I'm going to look for it so that I don't butcher it because I don't want to do that. I probably will still not pronounce it right, but it's called Kintsugi, I think, Kintsugi. And basically, it's like pottery, or it could be a vase, a bowl, a plate, whatever. The, pe the pieces are broken, and they take those broken pieces and they put it back together. But they don't just put it back together the way it was before. No, 
it's beautified with lace, with gold, for instance, more beautiful. And I think of us being clay jars and how the scripture talks about God's light being able to shine through us. Sometimes we're broken in specific places for God's light to shine, for his power to flow through us. You don't need everything that you think you need. You need God. And when he sent you, he sent you with the supply. So, yeah, I just want to remind you today. He is sending you. If he told you to move, told you to do something, the fact that he's sending you should be enough to get you to move. You don't need any more than what you have right now. You need God and he'll supply the things as you go. So trust him enough to move. Trust him enough not to stay stagnant. Trust him enough not to use other people's timelines and experiences to measure against what yours is going to be like. Trust him. Okay, that is today's episode. I feel like I barely even really looked at the notes that I had. I was going to really talk about Jeremiah and Moses and Gideon and get into their stories. Um, yeah, but I think the Holy Spirit had his way. So I'm just looking through my notes to see if there's anything else that I want to mention. I wrote down the need to shed off of yourself what you called yourself in order to embrace what God calls you. Very important. Your personality was considered by God when he gave you the assignment. Shed off the things you've called yourself in order to embrace what God has called you. For me, like I said, that was being calling myself shy. I said that thing so normally as if it was just a part. I took that on as a part of my identity. I was a shy person, a timid person. Now, now it's different to say you're feeling shy. That's momentary. But when you take on the label of I'm a shy person, I'm a timid person, that's a, like you having some sort of justification or excuse never to show up fully or show up as God has called you to show up in every room. So I was reading, yeah, so for example, for me, that was being shy and timid and it was used to justify living beneath the call. What labels have you taken on? What labels have you embraced that are allowing you to live beneath God's call for you? Screen the labels. Your feelings do not define your ability. Some of those labels can come from trauma, life experiences, real things, real things, real things. Many times it can come from insecurity. If you really dig deep down, it's like, why do you feel shy? Why is your heart racing when you walk into a room with an interview? When people have interviews, this is a very practical scenario. When you have an interview and you walk into the room and you're really nervous, it's because you're nervous about the response, usually. You're nervous about how it will go, how they will receive you, what the results will be. Where did that label come from? 
you have to be careful about using excuses or adopting labels that culture has used to justify certain things. Your idea of what can be done or what can't be done is informed by what you know and what you have seen. But we need to let it be informed by who we know. Yahweh. Yeah, I think there are... Okay, last thing I'll say. God consistently... God consistently went against people's perceptions of what their situation or label entailed as it pertains to what they were able to do. Consistently. Look at David. Look at David. He, people, the people were like, David with Goliath, this small man. Look at Gideon, least from his, you know, mighty man. It's like, who is that? Look at Moses, hardened speech. Look at Jeremiah, I'm too young. Look at Saul, Saul the king, you know, that preceded David. He also had his words to say about being from the least tribe, Benjamin and all of that. It's not, at this point, we should just be used to it. And again, it's not just with people, it's with things too. Water, bring the water. We're talking about wine here. Bring the water. You're talking about feeding 5,000. Bring your five loaves of bread and two fishes. All these miracles, many times you didn't ask for much to start the miracles. You're equipped for what he's called you to do. Everything else that you need along the way, he will give to you along the way. As far as you lean on him, you trust him. You work with him. You lean in and obey. You move on his yes. So, screen the labels, guys. This episode was longer than I anticipated. I think I say that in almost every single episode. I need to stop saying that. But, um, yeah. Follow the Instagram page uh, at ImpositionPod. I post, like, mini reels there. And, you know, if you don't really always have the time to watch the full episode, at least you can get some value from that. So you can follow that. You can follow it on TikTok too. Same handle at Imposition Pod. I I am going to put up a blog post on this because I felt it um impress on my heart to do that. So I will link that in the bio of wherever you're listening to this, whether that's an audio platform or you're listening not bio, sorry, description. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, it's gonna be in the description as well. And please, guys, don't just listen to it. Don't just listen to it. If you felt the Holy Spirit convict you, when I said, I am sending you, like he is sending you, it's not for you to just feel bad. Move. All right, guys. Love you all and have an amazing week ahead and catch you guys in the next episode. Oh, wait, hold up. Did you guys notice that Tiandra didn't come back? Praise the Lord. I was able to make my hair. And yes, I made it myself. Um, I don't know why I'm telling you that. I guess it was some hard work and I'm semi-proud <laughs> that I made it myself. But yeah, Tiandra's not back and praise the Lord. I am so glad about that. But give it a few weeks and she may be back again. But we'll take our wins. Small wins. Catch you guys in the next episode. Love y'all.